Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about stadiums in Africa. We hear from South Africa legend Mark Fish, who's part of a CAF team that's been inspecting stadiums in Africa ahead of the 2022 FIFA World Cup qualifiers. Fish says that better stadiums in Africa will produce better football. That's what we need to change, the quality of stadium, because because you have the quality football, uh, football players, you need the quality stadium as well. More on that shortly, plus we go into our archive and go back to the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Brazil and visit the Copacabana Beach and the Christ the Redeemer statue. There are people everywhere lying on the floor trying to get the best view. You guys, it's an amazing view, it's an amazing statue. What are your opinions of it? Uh, amazing is uh, not really a good description. I think it's uh, magnificent. And Stuart looks at the large amount of errors made this season by goalkeepers in the English Premier League. But we start with very sad news as Senegal's Pap Juf died earlier this week at the age of 68 after contracting coronavirus. Juf was president of French club Marseille from 2005 to 2009 when Marseille finished second in Ligue 1 twice and reached the French Cup final on two occasions. Juf was the first black president of a top-tier European side and Marseille paid tribute saying he was one of the great architects in the club's history. Juf was also a journalist and a player agent. He played a great part in the careers of players like Didier Drogba, Samir Nasri and many others. Our condolences to family and friends of Senegal's Pap Juf. Now, despite the time being lost because of coronavirus, the Confederation of African Football's Acting Secretary-General, Abdel Ba, says that no competitions will be cancelled as it stands right now. The Women's Africa Cup of Nations is due to be held this year, but there's still no host after Congo Brazzaville pulled out last year. Bar says they have received proposals from Nigeria and Equatorial Guinea, and they're waiting for government guarantees from the two countries. But the qualifiers haven't even started yet. There are hopes that the Men's Nations Cup qualifiers will be played by November, so that the January-February dates can be kept for the finals in Cameroon next year. That looks critical as the Olympics have been moved to next July and August and Euro 2020 will be a counter-attraction too as it's been moved to 2021 now. Now the third and fourth rounds of Nations Cup qualifiers should have been played last week. For the CHAN, the African Nations Championship, CAF say that as of now it won't be cancelled. They hope to reschedule it to later in the year. The CHAN finals should have been on in Cameroon right now. The CAF Champions League and Confederation Cup are at the semi-final stage. They have to be completed too. Well, hopefully football will resume maybe around July or August, perhaps, depending on the situation. But this is going to be really packed, and I don't think we want the Nations Cup to be played in June and July of next year, Ida. You know, Steve, I mean, some would say that the continent has already gotten used, (laughs) at least somewhat, to the Afghan being moved around. It might sound a bit cynical, uh, but there is a bit of uh, truth to it, you know. But the acting CAF Secretary General, well, he is still relatively new in his post. And, you know, I'm sure that his comments will want to instill confidence. And, of course, he can't really go against his employer status quo. Uh, But in reality, his assurances just don't fly. I mean, 
mean, uh, first, considering the circumstances, I just don't see the women's African happening. Uh, plus, you have to realize that women's football, unfortunately, has always been the sacrificial lamb across many continents, not just here in Africa. And with this particular CAF administration previously, well, it's come under fire for not having a backbone. It's been accused of uh, pandering to European forces. And if that was the case pre-corona, Steve, then one can only wonder how it will be going forward, especially now that the football forces, if you will, in, uh, in Europe and indeed across the world have been inconvenienced as much as they have by this pandemic. But really, nothing will ever be the same again. And I think that the mode of operandi going forward should be to work as per priority. Now, Chan, frankly, just isn't a priority right now, but the Afghan is. So efforts should really go towards ensuring that the Nations Cup is held in January. Well, sobering and realistic. Time certainly is limited. Ida thinking that maybe the Africa Women's Cup of Nations will be scrapped and the Chan possibly too, as CAF has to focus on the priorities, which first and foremost has to be the Men's Nations Cup. We'll see. Well, now to the issue of stadiums in Africa. Here in Zimbabwe, we were told by CAF that none of the country's stadiums meet their standards. And if those Nations Cup qualifiers had been played last week, Zimbabwe would have hosted Algeria in another country, probably in South Africa. There are efforts on now here to renovate the country's main stadiums. Now, CAF has been inspecting venues around the continent to assess them ahead of the group stage of the 2022 FIFA World Cup qualifiers, which are due to begin in October. Mark Fish is one of the inspectors. He's a South Africa legend, a defender, and he won the Nations Cup with Bafana Bafana in 1996. His clubs included Orlando Pirates in South Africa and Bolton Wanderers and Charlton, where they were in the English Premier League. We spoke to Fish when he was here in Zimbabwe. You know, we have World Cup qualifiers on the continent and um, we need World Cup quality stadiums. So we're in the process of traveling the, the continent. Uh, we have CAF inspectors. I'm with Darren, uh, Derek Blankensee and they're using ex-players to travel with the, the, the inspectors. So I've been fortunate. I've, we went to, to Mozambique and now we're in Zimbabwe looking at the stadiums. But we have an inspection list that CAF has given us. It's just a recommendation. We look at you know, the requests from them, what is there, what isn't there. Um, we, we look at the stadium and we um, pass it on to CAF and they, they give um, their recommendations. I think most importantly for me as a footballer, uh, I think it is important that um, us on the continent, if we look at uh, individual footballers, we have some of the best players in the world and I will use Mo Salah and Sadio Mane for example, but um, we don't compete well enough in, uh, on the world stage especially the sub-Saharan. Uh, if we look at Zimbabwe, we use Zimbabwe, Mozambique, uh, South Africa, and the other countries below. Um, are we doing enough to have world-class stadiums to make sure that the fan can watch the football, meaning the world-class football that they want to watch? So are we doing enough and what can we do to improve football on the continent? And this is, this is a major factor, going to the stadiums around the continent to make sure that we have, as I said, World Cup quality stadiums so that a fan can experience and see their favorite beloved whether it's a, a club team or whether it's obviously their country and um, I think it's a bigger bigger picture is that how do we improve football on the continent and there's many ways we can talk about development we can talk about actual um, technical things um, on the field off the field um, schools football we can talk about many things but 
This is a big um, part of uh, CAF's initi initiative to make sure that we improve football on the continent. The last uh, Bafana national team game was 2004, so the football stadiums have certainly changed. But uh, again, I'm going to say that if, if, if we're going to compare, and I, I'm, and I like comparing it because it's sub-Saharan, um, I am South African, but I'm sub-Saharan, so I, it's important to realize that we are far behind North Africa. So if you, if you ask for me to compare, we're at the last AFCON, if I look at the stadia in Egypt, there's no comparison. We are way behind down here in, in the sub-Saharan, so that's what we need to change. The quality of stadium, because, because you have the quality football, uh, football players, you need the quality stadium as well. So that's South Africa legend Mark Fish on his tour of stadiums in Southern Africa, speaking here in Zimbabwe recently. Uh, so the theory there, Ida, is that better stadiums will give you better football. Would you agree? <laughs> well, it's relative. I mean, when we focus on pitches specifically, then yes, definitely. It has been scientifically proven that the quality of a football pitch doesn't turn affect the quality of football that's played. And even with injuries, Steve, artificial pitches, for example, have in the past been blamed for causing more injuries than, say, grass, you know. Uh, but oftentimes you realize that a lot of these go hand in hand. Uh, state-of-the-art stadium will have a state-of-the-art pitch. <laughs> it will have proper changing rooms, you know, sitting capacity, etc. And we oftentimes also forget just how much this also adds to player psychology, you know, just how big the mental aspect is into these players giving Giving solid performances. Every player out there wants to play in comfortable and conducive environments. That's not always the case. Uh, but yes, as for South African legend Mark Fish, yes, he was in Zimbabwe, as was Nigeria's Daniel Amokachi, the bull. <laughs> he was in Uganda. So it will be interesting to see that or whether CAF will be able to continue with this, you know, legends leading the stadium inspection, especially after every thing that the world is going through right now. Yes, a good idea to get former players involved as they have their own insights. And there's such a difference around the continent. Most of the main stadiums in North Africa are great, and countries that have hosted tournaments like the Nations Cup in recent years, like Gabon, have fabulous stadiums too. And I saw amazing venues in Congo, Brazzaville, when they hosted the 2015 All-Africa Games. South Africa have fantastic venues from the 2010 FIFA World Cup. But then on the other hand, you have many countries like here in Zimbabwe and there in Kenya where stadiums need a lot of work or even for new stadiums to be built. And that's putting it lightly, Steve. You know, the situation on the ground has gone from bad to worse, you know. Uh, but Mark Fish, he does raise an interesting point, And I respect his blatant response, especially to just how far behind sub-Saharan Africa is lagging when it comes to sporting infrastructure. Now, it was sad to see the situation in Zimbabwe actually deteriorate to a point where CAF banned use of the stadiums for international matches. But as sad as it was to see, that's exactly where Kenya is headed, not unless the relevant authorities actually do something about it. I mean, close to a decade ago, Kenyans were promised new stadia, five new stadia. Uh, suffice it to say that that was a pipe dream. And majority of Kenyans now just want the two functional stadia currently to just be at optimum. But already that has proven to be such a task. So it will be interesting to see whether FIFA will actually keep to their promise or whether it was just PR over the next few years of building stadia in each African country. 
Yes, FIFA has proposed building one new world-class stadium in every African country, and we really need that here in Zimbabwe. Thanks a lot, Aida. On social media this week, we're asking, how are the stadiums in your country? Uh, Mark Fish saying there that better stadiums in Africa will end up producing better football. So do you agree? And also, how are the stadiums in your country? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment. That's on Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. How are the stadiums in your country? Also, if you'd like to send a question to Ida, to Stuart or to myself about how the coronavirus situation is unfolding where we are, or indeed to ask us any other football question, do send it to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That same number on WhatsApp again, plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. Uh, to download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to on our New Look website, that's planetsport.tv, and there are interviews there that you can read with various sports stars, including Sierra Leone's Umaro Bangura, Ghana's Christian Achu, and Zambia's Patson Daka. That's on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. Well, now, while we're all affected by the coronavirus in some way and life has changed for most of us, we're going to make sure that Planet Sport Football Africa gives you plenty of entertainment every week to lift your spirits. And we're going into our archive to give you some of our most memorable moments as a team. I was with the Passion for Sport team at the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Brazil. We were based in Rio de Janeiro doing daily programmes. It was an amazing time in a very beautiful city. We're going to relive trips to two of the major attractions of Rio. Shortly, the Christ the Redeemer statue, but first I went to the Copacabana Beach. Well, it's Saturday afternoon on the Copacabana Beach. It's quite a hazy afternoon, a lot of cloud, and it's not that warm today. And uh, looking at the sea, quite rough. Some big waves are coming in from the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, Quite a lot of people are having a swim. Loads of people are on the beach. Uh, It's pretty packed. I've got myself a deck chair uh, just a few metres away from the sea, and uh, I can't resist. I have to go in and have a swim. Might be cold, but... uh, I just have to do it. Oh, well, I'm back uh, from the sea, and uh, that was absolutely incredible. Because um, the waves are big and the sea is rough, we couldn't really get out for a big swim, so we were kind of body surfing. Uh, the waves were crashing in on us and uh, sweeping us up onto the shore. Fantastic. And the water, very warm, although it's winter, uh, temperature only in the mid-20s this afternoon. So we're going to lie on the sand a bit and uh, chill and relax. Uh, I say loads of people around me here, most of them uh, in swimming costumes, uh, some in their shorts, a lot of them in jerseys of the teams that they're supporting here at the World Cup. Great view to look at with the mountains and uh, we're going to soak up the sun for a bit. 
Well, we're trying to get some rest on the golden sands on the beach here, but um, vendor after vendor is coming past and trying to sell us their wares, and there's a huge variety. Um, number one would be the drinks, the cocktails that they call Caprinias, uh, followed by beer vendors. We had lots of those coming by pretty much uh, every few seconds. Ice cream vendors as well. Um, clothing items. You can easily get yourself a Brazil jersey here with Neymar or one of your other favourite players on the back. Um, there are bikinis for sale as well. Coming past this way now, we've got uh, a beer vendor. Another beer vendor is coming right behind. Uh, footballs as well. I can see behind me. Uh, hats as well, which are good for the beach. Also, um, sun cream as well, if you want some uh, sun lotion. Uh, uh, biscuits as well. Let's just look a bit further back, see if I've forgotten anything. There's flags, uh, football jerseys, plus, uh, oh, my favourite of all, uh, prawns on a stick. Uh, roasted prawns, probably fresh out of the ocean on a stick. Looks like a, quite a tasty snack as well. So it's all going on here at the Copacabana Beach. Oh, beautiful place. You won't get a lot of peace there, though, but uh, I was very fortunate to get to go to the Copacabana Beach. I also went to the Christ the Redeemer statue. This the massive stone statue of Jesus on top of a mountain. My colleagues Tom Ellis, Andy Bloss and Solomon Ashoms also went along. They went together and their report starts as they're on the train that takes you to the top of the Corcovado Mountain. What kind of famous people have come up to visit Corcovado? Uh, Michael Jackson, John Paul II, the Pope, um, Bill Clinton. That's our tour guide speaking there. And why do people like to come up? What's so special about it? Well, the view upstairs is incredible. It's uh, one of the highest um, mountains here in Rio. And of course, the statue is very big and beautiful to see this. We're at the top, we've reached the Cristo Redentor, Christ the Redeemer statue, which is a 38 metre high statue, stone statue of Jesus Christ. Looking out across the city, it's there to bless the city as a reminder of the importance of the Catholic and Christian faith. One couple just got engaged, which is great, um, but the view all around and the statue itself is quite a sight. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's, it's absolutely packed up here, you can hardly move. I mean, looking down towards the beaches, you can see the Maracanar. There are people everywhere lying on the floor trying to get the best view. You guys, it's an amazing view, it's an amazing statue. What are your opinions of it? Well, amazing is uh, not really a good description. I think it's uh, magnificent. This is a dream come true. I mean, one of the seven wonders of the world and to be able to be here is an eye-capturing moment. We lost Solomon for a minute. It's quite busy up there, but we found him now as we wait for the train back down. Solomon, what were your thoughts? I think it's just amazing. It gives you a glimpse of uh, who God is, basically. You know, it's a very great uh, identity for the city of Rio and also for Brazil. And a lot of the words that people use to describe it, magnificent, awesome, great, amazing. It's quite hard to, to build something which can do those words justice, really. The facial expression is just really uh, something that brings uh, some sort of calmness and peace uh, to people. Uh, is is a kind of like facial expression of a father uh, looking down to his children and saying, look, everything is okay. And with the arms wide open, he's just saying, look, you know, I'm here with you and you can come to me. Uh, and that calmness is what you need in a bustling and hustling city like Rio. That's Solomon Ashams ending that trip to the Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro. When I went there, I marvelled and gazed at the statue for a long, long time. Indeed, it shows a loving Heavenly Father does the Christ the Redeemer statue. A great memories. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, we go to social media. 
And last week we went back to the 2010 FIFA World Cup where the world was hit by the Vuvuzela, the noisy instrument that South Africa fans made popular and that spread to many African countries. Now, many European teams and visitors were horrified at the noise. Some broadcasters complained about the constant droning noise during matches. So we asked, are Vuvuzelas popular at matches in your country? And do you love them or hate them? Well, perhaps unsurprisingly, this topic has polarised the comments this week. You either love them or hate them with no opinions in between. We start with David in the Gambia, who says, well, Vuvuzelas are popular, but I hate them because of the noise they create. It makes it very hard for me to concentrate on the game. Modu GJ Kale, also in the Gambia, agrees, saying, I really hate Vuvuzelas. I'm glad they're not recommended in the Gambia. Muno John is in Zambia. Vuvuzelas are no longer popular in the Zambian game now, says Muno. The criticism they receive from Europeans can partly be attributed as the cause for them being slowly phased out of the Zambian game. But I personally love them, notwithstanding the noise. They make the African game unique and football should reflect the diversity that is in the world. Burang Sane and the Gambia is concerned about the way that some people use the Vuvuzela. They're popular in our local tournament, but the way that some people use it makes me want to hate it. Walking around, blowing it everywhere to annoy the opposite fans, says Burang. But Lamine Sonko, also in the Gambia, takes the other view. Indeed, the notorious Vuvuzela, says Lamine, they spice up matches. And inasmuch some people hate the Vuvuzela, many love it too, including me. In my country, the Gambia, the fans cherish the Vuvuzela so much. Hatab Sambu, also in the Gambia, agrees. They're very popular here and I love them, says Hatab. Another fan is Clement in Ghana. In my country, Vuvuzelas are not popular at matches, but I'll be thrilled if they do become popular again because I love that droning noise. Bobby Brown in the Gambia is a big fan. Some people love it, says Bobby, and for me, I love them too. It's part of the support that fans give, so I don't see anything bad about it. Some people in Europe go to games with brass bands to support their team. So what's the problem with the Vuvuzela? I love it, says Bobby. In Malawi, Moses goes back to the origins. Vuvuzelas remind us of what Africa loves, says Moses, namely peace and joy. They originated from horns. A Vuvuzela was made from animal horns originally. It's just unique and for me it's loved beyond anything. Well, that's certainly true about Vuvuzelas originating from animal horns. And while they may bring joy to some, I'm not sure they bring much peace, uh, Moses. Esunge is in Cameroon. Uh, Vuvuzelas aren't prominent here, says Esunge, but a bit of it spices the game, but too much of it spoils the party. Moses Bebe Zuse in Zambia simply says, I love them. And finally, Mwinga Maimbalua in Zambia paints a picture of the situation in his country. Yes, Vuvuzelas are very common at most matches in the Zambian League. I believe they should be embraced and promoted, not only by African leagues, but by the world over, says Mwinga. And it's sad that the inventor, Saddam Mackey, who's South African and Kaiser Chiefs number one fan, is not given that much credit for his invention. All in all, I love the Vuvuzela. I believe they should stay. Yes, yeah, so thanks for that, Mwinga. Just to say that uh, Saddam Maka perhaps uh, popularised the Vuvuzela rather than inventing it, but uh, does take huge credit for that. We're now to the English Premier League, and on Friday, the Premier League was expected to make an announcement to further delay the resumption of the season. So depending on which day you're listening to the show, that news may be out by now. 
The Belgian Pro League on Thursday became the first major European league to be cancelled because of coronavirus. Club Bruges will be declared champions with the current league table set to stand. And all UEFA Champions League and Europa League matches have been suspended until further notice by UEFA. So we'll keep on following the latest news. It's almost four weeks now since the last game was played in the English Premier League. And one feature of the season has been the amount of errors by goalkeepers. With more on this, our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK. Hasn't it been a strange year for Premier League goalkeepers? You know, I commented a couple of weeks ago on David De Gea's clearance being charged down by Calvert-Lewin for the Everton goal being the seventh time this season that De Gea had made a clear error which led to a goal against Manchester United. And he's arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But he's far from the only one making mistakes. Jordan Pickford, the England number one, has also conceded seven goals for Everton, which could reasonably be put down to his fault, including, ironically, Manchester United's equaliser in that Manchester United-Everton game. And Dubravka at Newcastle United and Leno, Arsenal, have also conceded seven Premier League goals through mistakes. And a week after De Gea's blunder for Manchester United came the Manchester Derby, where both United goals could be laid at the feet of City's goalkeeper Ederson. Then Liverpool, two up in the Champions League game with Atletico, when Adrian kicked a clearance straight to a Spanish forward who put Atletico back into the game. Of course, Liverpool were unlucky that Alisson, arguably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, was injured. But the question can be asked, shouldn't a club of Liverpool's stature, who incidentally have eight professional goalkeepers on their books, should they not have a more reliable number two goalkeeper than Adrian? And when Tottenham were beaten 3-0 in their Champions League game at Leipzig, Hugo Lloris was arguably at fault for two, if not three, of the goals. And then what about Chelsea, who paid $60 million for Kepa when they bought him from Bilbao? But this season, after some performances, he was dropped by Frank Lampard. And in February, Willy Caballero played four Premier League games and a Champions League game in his place. And Caballero is 38, 38 years old, and he's preferred to Kepa. Now, it's hard to identify exactly why goalkeepers are making so many mistakes. But I believe part of it comes from the changing expectations on goalkeepers in the modern game. It's no longer enough for a goalkeeper to be a good shot stopper or cross catcher. The modern goalkeeper is expected to be as comfortable on the ball as an outfield player. The change in the law a few years back, preventing goalkeepers from handling back passes, combined with the modern obsession with playing out from the back, means that a goalkeeper is expected to be there to take a pass from an under-pressure defender and then to pass it to a teammate rather than simply putting the ball out of danger. Perhaps part of the problem is having unrealistic and unreasonable expectations of what a goalkeeper can actually deliver. Thanks, Stuart. Yes, as you say, these days being a goalkeeper is not just about making saves. Uh, There is the ball distribution and uh, playing it out from the back, among uh, other factors. Now, pressure is mounting for players in Europe to take pay cuts. On Thursday night, Britain's Health Secretary Matt Hancock said that Premier League footballers should take a pay cut and play their part in light of the coronavirus pandemic. 
The English Professional Footballers Association says that players will have to share the financial burden. Now, some clubs like Newcastle and Norwich have laid off non-playing staff who will get government financial support, but they haven't looked at players' wages. At Tottenham, all 550 non-playing staff are taking a 20% pay cut, initially for two months, while the players' salaries remain unchanged. Uh, Brighton's chief executive, technical director and head coach have all taken a pay cut for the next three months. Uh, meanwhile, in Italy, Juventus players have taken a pay cut for four months. In Spain, Atletico Madrid's players have taken a 70% pay cut. So it will be interesting to see uh, what happens in the English Premier League. Right, in light of the coronavirus pandemic, the final word on the show today goes to Enoch Mwepu. He's a Zambia national team player and he plays his club football in Austria with Red Bull Salzburg. I just take this opportunity to urge everyone back home to stay safe, calm and healthy. It's up to us to participate in this pandemic that will help slow down the spread of this virus. By doing so, we just have to practice social distancing, washing of our hands and avoid social gatherings. With this short message, I just hope and pray that everyone stays safe and healthy. God bless. Indeed, that audio from Kasafa Media, that Zambia midfielder Enoch Mwepu plays his club football in Austria with Red Bull Salzburg. His teammate there, Patson Dacker, also plays for the Zambia national team. So yes, do stay safe and follow the advice in the fight against coronavirus. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Wairinga in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.